Welcome to this Thanksgiving leftover edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. I am Paul Dottino. He is Super Bowl champion Jeff Fiegels at Giants WFAN at Jay Fiegels. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, so glad you could join us for the next hour as we talk New York Giants football. And of course, we hope you and your families all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. 201-939-4513 is our number. 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on hashtag at Giants Chat. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details, 90464. Now, we also want to tell you, if you subscribe to the Giants audio podcast, please note that beginning December 1st, that's coming up in just a couple of days, Jeff. I know. Big Blue Kickoff Live will now have its own dedicated podcast. You can begin subscribing now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. That's starting December 1st. BBKL will no longer be available on the Giants audio podcast, so please subscribe to the Big Blue Kickoff Live podcast. You can still watch or listen to the show right here on Giants.com or on the Giants mobile app. It's a lot like a lot of food at Thanksgiving. That's a lot of read right there. It is. But I got one more What does thing. it mean? Basically, if you don't, the audio is going away, you need to go to the real podcast to see the show. Is that what it is? No. Oh, see. It I, just means if you want to download it, oh. you've got to go to a different place so you can listen to these wonderful words of wisdom oh, good. Okay. during the course of the day. That's all. Okay. I have one more thing to say. That's nothing to do with this. Mackenzie, our producer, is having a birthday today. Oh, happy birthday, Mackenzie. Way to go. That's awesome. <laughs> November 29th. She has been a, she's a rookie with us this year. I wonder how old she is. She's on the all rookie team for sure. Thank you, Mackenzie, being, for being so nice and so competent this, this season. She's on the all rookie she, she, team she, because she's like all everything. I see her doing everything here in the building. She right? doesn't make mistakes like the other rookies do. <laughs> That's she, right. She's veteran savvy. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway. So please, when you call us up at 201-939-4513, wish Mackenzie a happy birthday before you talk to us on the show. We would like you to do that because she's a nice person. Yes. Anyway, Mr. Fiegels. Yes. Which one? Well, that's right. Jeff's dad here is, 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 to, is, yes. is here too. So, you know, we have a guest, a live guest in the studio. We won't be able to show him, but he's here. He's watching. And he, he had a dad nice Dad is in from Phoenix. A nice meal with the Fiegels yeah. family. Yeah, just gets to come in and see the facility and Very meet cool. a couple of the coaches, meet a couple of the players. And um, it was fun. All so, right. Now, the big question that I really wanted to ask you and let these fans know, because as we all know, you are one of the most experienced players to ever play in the modern NFL with all the years that you were able to put into this league. And I said to you before the show started, how many Thanksgiving Day games did you play in when you got to the league? And you said, well, I played in a lot of Thanksgiving Day games before the league, before the league, but, but not during in the, the league. league of all the time of all the games. Now. As you know, the normally on Fridays, Schmelk and I play my little game, which I'm right there, right? And so it's, this is all about memory, and memory is not really good sometimes. <laughs> I believe, I believe, and maybe somebody can look it up. I believe it was one time, maybe twice, okay? Um, but after 352 games, that's a lot. But I only think I played in one or two. Okay. Ever. Now, of you course, you have the answer. No, <laughs> I'm not here to trick you like Schmelk. I don't do those things to my friends. I well, simply I wanted to know from an interesting perspective. Well, how do I find it out? 
Well, we could look it up, but I'm not going to do that. I just want to ask you. You did say to me you played in the one with the Giants and the Cowboys. I think that's what All it right, was. So do you remember that game? Yes, but let I want to okay. ask you about that game. Well, listen, hold on a second. If you remember that game, then you remember how long ago it was. It was within the last, was it within the last 12 to 15 years? Yes. Then I played in that game then. Yes. Okay, good. All right, go ahead. All I really wanted to know, because many people enjoy Thanksgiving because they're home and watching everybody else play on the holiday. Right. But if you're playing in the game, you can't sit home, eat turkey, and watch the game. Right. So is it special and fun? To no. play on the Thanksgiving holiday, or no. does it really stink? It stinks. It stinks. Okay. It stinks because it's a holiday, which I love that holiday. You're watching football, and you're relaxing, and usually you're around family and things like this. And when you're playing football, you know that everybody else is doing what you like to do, so it stinks. Okay. And then the only good thing about it, and I don't know how long ago this was <laughs> that I played on this Thanksgiving game. <laughs> All right? Go ahead. Go but ahead. But I don't know if – I don't believe they had the Thursday night games yet. Mm-hmm. So – that Thursday game was a little bit odd, but it was awesome because you had the 10 days off, you know, towards the next game. But to be honest with you, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like it. In fact, no, I, it was just, it just carried on to the Thursday night games where nobody liked the Thursday night games either. Yeah, so. but see here, here's my thinking on this because as kids growing up, there was always a high school rivalry game on Thanksgiving. That was a big deal. Back east, there was. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they it didn't was do a little that bit out different. No, no, out, out west, there wasn't as. You know. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, I grew they up hadn't here. figured that out yet. I grew up here, so for me, yeah, the Thanksgiving day. And, and listen, when I moved to Ridgewood, that was a big deal. When I moved here to come to the Giants, the Giant, the high school game was on Thanksgiving, and I thought it was a great tradition. And we went to it for a few years, and then they got smart and they said, "Well, why are we playing this Thanksgiving game when none of the, none of the teams." play their regular guys because next week is the first playoff game. Okay. So it was kind of a, it was a basically a JV freshman game is what it was. But bottom line, they had it. It was a good tradition, um, but not out West. But so I'm sorry, I cut you off. Oh, it was 19. you remember? 1992. I'll give you the date. You asked me to look it up. So I did. Yeah. Okay. November 26, 1992. Giants, Cowboys, Dallas won 30 to three. Well, that was Dallas. 1992. I was not yes. here. I was not here then. So you, you did not play in that game, but you thought you had. No, no. I thought that I played in the in the Thanksgiving game maybe when I was with the Giants, but we didn't. No, but that's the last time the Giants played on Thanksgiving. Well, then I played in a Thanksgiving <laughs> day without being with the Giants. So go okay. to the Seattle game. Okay. Maybe it was Seattle? Did you play Dad, with Seattle? Dad, do you remember? Do you have you usually remember Help this stuff? Help him out, Mr. Fegels. Come well, on. No, Dad, he usually remembers this stuff. I don't. I mean, okay, what years were you with Seattle? Uh, that would be 1998 to 02. Okay, so let's see here. I don't see Seattle having played at the Thanksgiving game on those dates either. Is it possible you never did? Maybe I played in a Thursday night game that I thought was Thanksgiving. It wasn't. And I couldn't blame you if you thought that. Seriously. I mean, listen, I was so focused on the game, I could care less what day it was, really. Here's the point that I was trying to bring up when I asked you the question. Being that I come from the East Coast Mm -hmm. and Thanksgiving games in high school are so huge. I mean, they're kind of like a bowl game in college. Mm. They're that big a deal. You usually play a rival. The stands are packed. Everybody tailgates. It's it's an incredible experience when you're growing up in the Northeast, the the Thursday Thanksgiving game. So, and then in, in college... There was a short time there, too, because remember, again, you don't know this now because you didn't grow up here. Channel 11 in New York, 
used to televise the Iona Prep Thanksgiving Day game on regular TV, wow. Channel 11, on Thanksgiving morning. So, like, what you would do a lot of times, if if the game was early enough, you'd go to your game and then come back and have dinner, or sometimes you would watch the game that was on television, the Iona Prep game, and then you'd go to your game if your game was a little later, and then you'd have dinner really late. So it was a big deal. And and I want to say that uh, might have been Marty Glickman and then later Spencer Ross, the big-time announcers, the Hall of Fame announcers were doing the game. Nice for him. Yes. <laughs> this was a big, big deal. Interesting. So the reason that I brought it up, and now it's moot because maybe you didn't play in a Thanksgiving no, I, game. No, I, I could have swore I played in a Thanksgiving game. I simply, I I simply to wanted to say to you that I suspect for some players who may have grown up understanding that the Thanksgiving high school game was a huge deal, maybe for them playing an NFL game on Thanksgiving is kind of like playing in a bowl game or a playoff game yeah. because it's a spotlight game okay. on the holiday. Okay. I would suspect some guys might feel that's an honor and, and, a, and a privilege. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess the younger guys probably would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the older veteran guys, they don't like it. I, I, I got to hunt you to eat turkey on Thanksgiving either, or did you? You're one of those lobster guys like Charlie? Yesterday? Oh, I'm asking. On. No, I eat turkey. I'm, you did? I'm not eating lobster on well, Thanksgiving. Well, Charlie from Maine does lobster on Thanksgiving He does every lobster year. every day because he lives in Maine. Well, he does. All right. You just told him. <laughs> you just gave him a reason to call now. <laughs> 201 but, but, you know, now you, you, you yes, went away why? from that screen. Why? Yes. Okay. What you, what, Can what you, you just keep go? it up while we go on? I, I, I gotta, now it's just it's bothering me. Are those all the Thanksgiving Day games from where? All right, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go Thanksgiving. I'm going to do a little search here. They got something called Google on the Internet. I, yeah, you I hear get that? that, yeah. Okay. So what I'm going to do is put Thanksgiving and Seattle Seahawks. No, no. Just do all Thanksgiving Day games, and I'll tell you what they are. Oh, from, all right. From, all right. Uh, from 1988 to 2009. All right. All right. I can. I, we could call that up. That's anyway, while, while we do this, and Jeff decides whether or not he's actually played a game <laughs> on Thanksgiving, it's it's quite all right. Uh, 201 939. It's really sad. Four, 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 five, you see, the Hall of Fame, the NFL Hall of Fame, of which, by the way, you should be in. Uh, I know your cleats are there, but I need to get you in someday. Thank you. Um, they should have a list here, and they don't have a list. It just talks about the tradition, but they don't have the list. That's ridiculous. Uh, folks, I do want to remind you one thing that's very important. We're having a good time here today. Let's face it, a lot of people are off. It's We're Thanksgiving not... Day hangover, right? right? You Ex said? Well, yeah. I, you know what? what? I had more turkey today at lunch. Uh, well, I, I did. There's more turkey around any everywhere. You're going to be eating turkey. Turkey sandwiches, turkey everything. Probably the next two or three days. Yeah. Serious item, folks. The Giants playing the Packers at MetLife Stadium. It's going to be a nasty day, okay? One o'clock kickoff, but I'm very serious when I say this. The Giants are hosting their annual coat and uh, hoodie drive right. uh, this weekend. Uh, the Giants are playing the Packers. So if you can, donate any gently worn coats, jackets, or hoodies. You can bring them to the MetLife gates on your way into the stadium for the 1 o'clock kickoff. Sunday as the Giants play the Packers. It's an important thing. The Giants have been doing this now for a couple of, of dozen, yeah. um, um, what, over two dozen decades, uh, two dozen years, I believe. Long time. And, and it's all to help the people less fortunate in the New York metropolitan area. Cold, windy, nasty weather is coming upon us, and many folks who are unfortunate need some help. So if you guys can, can bring, again, gently worn coats, jackets, or hoodies, uh, please 
bring them to the ticket gates at MetLife Stadium on Sunday and, and give a helping hand to somebody yeah, who maybe could really use it. Gently warn, right? I mean, listen, if you have a new one, bring it too. I mean, that doesn't uh, stop you from bringing those. No, absolutely. All right, 201-939-4513 is our phone number here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. We're here to the top, uh, to the bottom of the next hour. And in the meantime, I will allow Jeff to look at the history of uh, Thanksgiving Day football games. Let's go to the phones. First up on, first up on the show is uh, Marco in Connecticut. Uh, thanks for calling Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hey, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. You too. Good to talk to you. Um so uh, tough, tough, tough year. This has been a tough season with the with the Giants, and like you know, even yesterday, sitting back and watching some of those games, I I I, I bet you guys do the same thing. I'm watching these teams, and I'm just thinking about the Giants and like, hey, what do we need? How do we how do we get to where some of these top teams are? Uh, and that's that's the big point of my call today. Um, okay. I I didn't know I didn't know this, but I guess it makes sense. Uh, you as a as a longtime fan. I, Paul, this is probably going to kill you when I, as you know, where I go with this, but I think it's true. Is um, as a longtime fan, you hear about the Giants as like I grew up in the '80s, but you hear like the '70s were just the absolute worst time, you know, for the franchise and how bad they were, and then they turned it around in the '80s. It's really, it's really, really crazy to think that these last three years are comparable to what the '70s were like. Now, Paul, I don't know if you want to comment on that, but I know statistically as a wind's point of view, that can't be debated, uh, which is it's just terrible. Um, well, you have to understand something. What you're talking about, and, and I've, I've yeah. mentioned this to, to, to Bob Papa, uh, you know, our play-by-play voice. I mentioned it to him yeah. actually three years ago, or maybe I guess it's the 2016 season, when the Giants had a really rough time in, in uh, Coach McAdoo's second and, and final season. I said to him, unfortunately, this is reminding me of the Yale Bowl Shea Stadium era. Ooh. And mm. and that's kind of what has happened now in two of the last three years here with this current team. It is the Yale Bowl Shea Stadium era. I, I, for me personally, as a Giants historian, the, the years of 73 through probably 78 until they drafted Phil Simms in 79. And remember, Phil as a rookie came in for an injured Joe Pizarczyk and won his first four NFL starts, providing the Giants with some hope because their first-round draft pick was a quarterback who looked like he was going to be good. So I tend to say from 73 to 78 was, for me, as a Giants historian um, who can remember games all the way back to 1969, I believe from 73 to 78, those those were the worst dark years for me uh, as a Giants historian. Because I tell people all the time, 1970, they were 9-5. and five. In 1972, they were 8-6. and six. People tend to clump those years together with all those other poor seasons. But they were over 500 twice in a, in a three-year span, 70 and 72. They were over 500 twice. And, yeah. and trust me, as someone who has seen some – very, very difficult seasons. That was not so bad. Yeah. You would say you would say that that was worse than what we've gone through the last three years here. You know, Wait. here's why it was. Think think about no, no, no. Think about this. Okay, the Yale Bowl to the new Giants Stadium years. Think about this. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Craig Morton was the quarterback. Do I need to go any further? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. Walker Gillette 
was like the star receiver on the team. Joe Dawkins led this team in rushing in 75 when they played at Shea Stadium. I mean, honestly, you're going to tell me that that's better than what they're going through now? No way. No way. With all the respect to those guys. I mean, that was, you know, that was bad. That, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. And I know I know there's good players on this team. I felt a little more confident going into this season about some of the units, especially the, the O-line, the defensive line. Um, I'm just I, – I, now it's more like there's players on the team that I feel confident about, but I, I just think there's so much around them that – like, for example, we got a quarterback. I, I feel confident about that. But I'm, and, and most teams would say you start there. But there's just so much that lets the, um, that leads me to be desired, especially with the offensive line. Um, B.J. Hill and Lorenzo Carter, I mean, there's still so much that I expected from them this year. Understood. Here, here's, here, here, okay, here's, here's the point of my call. There's, we're going to go into free agency in, in another draft season, and we'll have a high pick and we'll have money to spend. And I'm trying to figure out, like, hey, as a fan, where is the direction of the team? Like, where are they trying to build and be a strength? Like, if you watch the 49ers and the Ravens, they, I mean, they get off the bus and they already beat the other team. Their running game is so dominant, mm-hmm. so physical, so aggressive. They're like, I'm watching them and I was getting, I was so motivated watching the Ravens play. Um, Seattle. Even the Chiefs. The Chiefs aren't going to pound it, but you know what they are. They're playmakers everywhere. So what are the Giants? That sounds like what kind of team are the Giants? Are they? What are they going to go on the free agency and say, hey, we want to continue to build this position group? All right, bear, bear, with it. bear with us, Jeff. I'm going to let you go first. Well, I think, first of all, you got to look at the personnel around you and who you want to build your team around offensively. You know who it is. It's number 26 and number 6. Those two guys, you've got to get protection. Number 8. Number eight, excuse me. Yeah, number eight, the quarterback. So you need some protection. So I'm going to build this team around. You need the offensive line. And so going forward, that's on that side. Um, Going forward to the defensive side, I got to believe you're at the linebacking position and at the edge rusher. Okay, those I still we don't I mean, Marcus Golden is not the answer to here. We've got to get a guy that's going to be in here to could be a, a franchise player for a long time. Okay, they're trying to build the secondary. We've seen that. All the young guys that are running around, are they all going to be all pros? I don't know. That's to be be determined. But those are my answers. That's so it's build the running game. Right. And and you have you have the receivers to do it. You have the tight ends to do it on the defensive side. Listen, it's all about stopping the run in the National Football League, right? So your linebackers and your edge rushing guys, they got to be able to make plays. The interior defensive line for the Giants is young and they're good. They're, those guys are good players, okay? I think a lot of times too many people get caught up in the idea that your interior defensive linemen are going to have 10 and 15 sacks a year. They're not. Right. You know, five and a half, six sacks for those guys up front is a good year for them. Paul? Marco. No, I, Marco, appreciate the phone call. Thank you, and Marco. Again, Thank you. Enjoy the leftovers. Uh, it's always been said, okay, that besides the quarterback, you know, you need the pass rusher. If you're going to be a good team, there's the, the required elements, the cover corner. We know they've drafted a bunch of young prospects at corners, so they think they're going to get one of those guys to develop into okay. a legit yep. cover corner. So that's okay. And they've wasted ones and threes. Okay. And, I mean, these are some guys that they've, they've picked. You need a pass rusher. Okay. Okay. Which they've, I mentioned. They've got one A. 
1A. Golden's 1A. Oh, 1A, okay. And he's he was a, he was an unknown 1A until this year if we were going to get we're going to if we wanted to get him back to what he did in 2016 yeah. we're coming off ACL. We didn't know that. So he's no. a 1A. I'll he's say a 1A. Robin. We need a Batman here. Yeah. But we got a Robin right now. Okay. Okay. You need the stud left tackle. Well, right now you got a guy who's on the down because Solder doesn't have a whole lot more left. Right. He's so, all that they have, though. Right now. Yeah. So you're going to have to. I, here's what I'm going to say. You need a Batman pass rusher, and you need a stud offensive ta- left tackle as you as you move forward. Okay? And then, obviously, they've got the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Which, okay. by the way, is probably the hardest thing to get out of everything. But they've got him. All, all right? right. So two of the four spots they've got. They've got a 1A pass rusher. They need a 1, and they need they need the superstar stud franchise left tackle moving forward. Well, listen, if the team continues to do what they're doing all season, they're going to have a chance to get a 1. Yeah, that is true. That is <laughs> so, true. We'll see. Uh, before we go to the next call, I do want to make sure we clean up this conversation we had earlier because his memory is foggy. We found answers. Here's the bad news. I didn't play 20-plus years in the NFL, and my memory is foggy too. Well, let me tell because, you something. Yes. But I did remember I played on Thanksgiving Day. And you did. I, see, I knew it. You did. I, so that memory is good. <laughs> okay. Well, you didn't have much to say about it, though. Because I, I just don't remember what stadium I was in. And I know it was on Thanksgiving Day, which was a Thursday. That's good. For, for those of you who do want to know, the Giants are 7-5-3 uh, lifetime on Thanksgiving. And in fact... You know, my memory is very fuzzy. I should know because I, I was at all these games. You should have known this. I know. Way I before should've. I would have. Well, here's the problem. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I try to forget when they get whacked. Okay? I'm not going to hide no, we from this, folks. When, when, when the team gets totally whacked, I try to just black it out and not think about it because those are not great memories. They got whacked by the Redskins 20-10 uh, to 10 in 2017, which you did not play in. That's right. Okay, The one that we got whacked on is the one you're going to go to right now. Yeah, because the, Red, the Redskins game was ugly. It was very ugly. That, that was the night, I believe, that, uh, that Pirine just grinded them into, into the ground. Um, oh, by the way, I, I always thought he was going to be a good play, a good back in the NFL. Never really developed for a lot of reasons. Um, the one that we saw with you is where is it now? Here it is against the Denver Broncos, twenty-six to six. Denver destroys the Giants in two thousand nine. That's at, the game you remember at, at Denver. At Denver, yeah, that that I do remember. Okay, um, not a good day. It was cold. Nobody wanted to play football that day. I just remember it was a bad game. You, I think I kicked quite a few. That I think I kicked a lot that oh, day. Oh, I got a hunch you did. Yeah. But you know what? If you're going to kick a lot, you want to kick it where it's a mile high because the ball just travels forever. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, and then the, the previous time the Giants uh, lost to the Cowboys in 1992, 30-3. Uh, so they went from Another 90, game that I remember, 92 to 2006. Well, I remember them going to Dallas on Thanksgiving. I remember that. I okay. don't remember details about the game. And again, they got whacked, so I try to forget those. That's a long span. To get from 92 to 06. Well, the Giants as an organization, I, I, I can honestly say I believe. They didn't like them would prefer to avoid it if they can. Okay. But, you know, not everybody can avoid all the time. At some point, you got to So do, do it. you remember in 06? It had to be. They did they, they, they I don't think they had the Thursday night game then. I don't think they did. The Thursday I, when did they start Thursday night football? I don't know. Now you're asking me another question that we're going to get screwed up yeah. on. Let's yeah. let, let's I, just I, let's I just don't move I don't on. think they did because I remember I was playing that Thursday night game and you were asking me did you like it? And I don't think the I don't think the players did. I, I thought we were, I thought it was too early turnaround that Sunday to Thursday, and basically I don't I I remember I didn't like it because in 06, 
I retired in 09 at 22. That was my 19th season in the in the in the league. I didn't like playing on a Thursday. Hell, it took me it took me to Thursday to, before I could even feel better. Thursday night football started in 2006. Oh, so that so that was that was our Thursday night game. Okay. Perfect. Okay, there you go. There you go. So All we right. played the first Thursday night official Thanksgiving game on the Thursday night schedule for those scoring at home. You should have known that, Tino. You want a medal I for that? So, sure, give it to me. Take it. Where is it? Do <laughs> you bring it? 201 I'll give you some more leftover turkey. How about that? Oh, that's all I need. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have any before I came here. I'd be falling asleep because I know last night after I ate it, I was so tired. All right. It's time to go back to the calls. Sure. We got Line some? four. It is time. For I told the, you you woke him up. See, you said his name, it, and there he is. It's time for the lobster call. Charlie from Maine, you're next on the Charlie, show. Charlie, tell me that you did not have lobster on Thanksgiving, right? One day, you know, one day reprieve. No, he didn't. No, yes, he hey, did. Jeff, you got to have some history here. Oh. During the first Thanksgiving, they had turkey, but they also had lobster. That's right, because up there that in that area, it. Yeah, that was okay. part of it. The Indians brought lobster, and also to get the fire going, they used to throw hemp on the on the fire. Oh, there's so there's another thing. Oh my! <laughs> wow, what a heck of a Thanksgiving that must have been. <laughs> I got news for you, Charlie. By the time they got to the second course, they didn't know what they were eating. <laughs> yeah. No, hey, man. Did you, hey, did you give your dad any of the lobsters I sent you? I bet you didn't. I, well, he doesn't live here. So that's <laughs> I mean, that's why I wouldn't give it to him. I mean, I'm not going to ship him all the way back out to Arizona after you shipped him here. All right. So. All right. Hey, look, I got, I got a question for you, for you, Jeff. Okay. You know, in college, because I've been watching a few college games. I'm sure you When have. they punt, they always have these three guys that go back. Yeah, the elephant, they call it. Next to the punter. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, they're the blockers. Why don't they do that in the NFL? Would it well, work? Well, here's, this, here's the reason. So, you know, the difference in college rules and pro rules is that in college, once the ball snapped, everybody can leave the line of scrimmage and run down. And so what happens is the whole, the center, the guard, the ta- everybody leaves. Okay, so the protection is given up right away. So then that's what those three guys are in oh. the back. So in the pros, you can't leave until the ball is kicked. Right. So you got to have right. protection up front. And so what's what's happening in the college ranks with the and there are Australian rules football punters in the National Football League, not too many of them, but in college there's tons of them because what they do is when they snap the football and we've seen it the games we've been doing in the NEC mm-hmm. is that they call it a rugby kick where the guy will roll out and while once the ball snapped, everybody runs down the field, right? So the punter will actually roll out behind, and that little three-man wedge, if you call it, they'll rotate right. to the right, and they'll buy time for the guys going down the field. So by the time the punter kicks it down there, the guys are halfway down there and eliminates returns. So I would like to see them change that rule in college that you can't leave until it's – but it'll never get changed. I mean – Yeah, yeah. So that's that's well, the reason, Charlie. It's called the elephant right, punt. Thank they call you. Elephant I was formation. Why, you know, if it works there, why don't they try it in, yeah. you know, in now, the Yeah, now there's a little thing. That's, that's the reason right there. It's uh, all about protection. All right. There you go. Hey, I don't have too much hope for this game coming up, guys. <laughs> I don't well, think a lot of people do. Charlie, there's a reason they call it the underdog, and the Giants are indeed an underdog this weekend. Well, it's not going to be very favorable conditions to be throwing the football in, so maybe that's one thing that will probably maybe help this team. 
Well, yeah, that's true. Is yeah. it supposed to be like snow in there on Monday? Well, it's supposed to be sleet. Sleet. Yeah, sleet. freezing uh, okay. rain and sleet throughout the day. I'd rather it snow. That's, that's, that's yeah. not fun. No, it's not yeah. fun. Not fun for we're, anybody. We're supposed to get some snow up here, so there you go. Hey, guys, have a great weekend. You too, Charlie. Thank really you. I don't have much. I'm just waiting for this season to get over with, and, you know, we'll find. Hey, uh, good thing your father met some of the coaches because they're probably not going to be there next year. So, anyway. <laughs> Charlie, thank you so <laughs> you much go. for calling. Always a bowl full of cheer. Enjoy your leftovers. <laughs> Charlie met, my dad met one coach, and that was T- uh, Thomas McGahey, who he had met before. So, Oh, I'm sure he did, being yeah. that you were here when McGahey mm-hmm. was here as a yeah. player. when you were, you were a player when he was here prior as a coach. Yeah, and it's funny because if you remember, Thomas McGahey was the assistant special teams coach yes. when Tom Quinn was the head special teams and coach. Now, now it's flipped around. So, Anyway, they're line, two really good coaches. Line one, Mark from Chicago is on Big Blue Kickoff. Hi, line. Mark. Hello. Hey, belated happy Thanksgiving. You, you too. too. Thank you, Mark. Say, um, Paul, you go back so far. I'm going to add a little bit more history to what you were talking about. 1964, the year after the NFL championship, we go 2-10-2. and two. Yeah. Everybody got old at one time. The bloody tittle in Pittsburgh. Six. Give up 501 points in 14 games. That's 36 points a game, including 72 to the Redskins. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get any worse than that. And I and I could appreciate that, Mark. I, I will only tell people, you know, when when they ask me a question of that nature, I'm going to go with what I experienced firsthand. I'm aware yep. of the years you're talking about, but yep. my first memories of of listening and watching <laughs> Giants football actually start in 1969. So, yeah. you know, that's during the Tarkenton era. And by the way, those weren't good teams, but Tarkenton had them a competitive 500 club, you know, for yeah. a couple of those seasons. And then when they made the deal to get Norm Sneed in the Tarkenton trade with the Vikings, Sneed led the NFC in passing that year in 72, mm-hmm. and they went 8-6 and six and beat the stuffing out of the Cowboys in Dallas mm-hmm. in the season finale to finish 8-6 and six that year. Yeah. And that 73 team was disappointing, too. Well, the so, 73 but, team was terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So are you guys familiar with the Goodbye Alley cheer? No, Yankee I know Stadium? it very well. I know it very well. Hmm. Yeah, just for a little history for the people out there, one night they were playing Goodnight Ladies, Goodnight Gentlemen near the end of the game, and all of a sudden it turned out to be Goodbye Alley. And uh, they sang that many, many a time at Yankee Stadium. Well, oh. then, of course, Alex Webster uh, wound up taking over the club. Oh. Yeah, the one thing I'll say is that uh, back in those days, it was harder to build a roster because you had to do everything through the draft. I mean, Rosie Brown was a 27th-round draft choice. Sure. But I see what, what Gettleman is doing, and, and I don't think you guys were on the phone call when John had the guy from Pro Football Focus on. And what he said was that having good defensive backs, good covered defensive backs, was more important than a pass rusher in a lot of cases because they get the ball out so quick. Mm-hmm. So I can see what Gettleman's doing in drafting all these DBs to start, you know, make the defense tougher to make that, you know, those passes happen. So I see the plan. It's just a matter of whether it works or not. Well, Mark, look, they, they certainly beefed up the quality and the depth of their secondary. Yeah. Uh, Sam Beal was the first step. And then, of course, they wound up grabbing Love and Baker this year. Getting Peppers... Yeah in the cl- trade with Cleveland was another step in beefing up the young secondary. So, and, and, and to be honest, I'm not giving up on Grant Haley either. Okay. Yeah. I know he's had a tough time this year and now he found his way to the bench. Grant Haley is too talented and too young of a player for me to just toss him aside. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. So I see the I see the plan, and I see the plan that they did with the offensive line. That you know they knew that they were going to bring in a rookie uh, QB, and you know like there's no way Jones could have survived with that offensive line last year. So I see the plan. Let's just see if it works. Yeah. And I'm not as dismal about the team as a lot of other callers because I've seen a lot worse. Well, that's, that's because you're in Chicago and you don't read the New York papers. <laughs> you're not on air like <laughs> well, we are. There's the internet day. now, too, yeah. so I, I read a lot of stuff. So. Thanks, anyway, Mark. Guys, Thanks, have Mark. a good day. You, too. You know, to, to comment a little bit about that, when I look at the game that I saw the other night where the 49ers played the Packers, right? So we paid special attention to that game because, obviously, the Giants were playing them the following week. If you go with their philosophy, their philosophy is old-school giant football philosophy. Mm-hmm. Did you see how that defensive line attacked one of the most predominant throwers in the National Football mm-hmm. League? So their secondary for the Packers, I know we're not going to get much into the game, but they're they're not they're okay, but their their strength is is that defensive line and getting after the quarterback. Well, the Niners uh, hit him ten times, Aaron Rodgers, and sacked him five times. Yeah, it's the third time this season that Rodgers has been sacked five times in a game. The Chiefs got him five, the Bears got him five, the Niners got him five. So you can get to him. That's right. Yeah. And I think that the middle of the field for offensively now, I'm talking about the Packers defense now. There's there's some there's some you know, there's some good opportunities, if you will, uh, if they're gonna be able to throw the football to, on Sunday, because it's not gonna be very good weather. 201-939-4513 is our phone number. Remember, Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. We go to line three. Jason is in Maine. Oh, my goodness. I hope you're not next door neighbors to Charlie. Uh, you're next on the show. Hello. <laughs> hey, guys. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Great. How are you? Hi, Jason. I'm good. I'm about probably five hours from Charlie, so a little ways, but... Oh, God <laughs> bless you, but you know what? I think his voice probably travels about four hours and 45 minutes away. <laughs> so you got you got to be careful. You're kind of on the borderline. <laughs> wow. Hey, uh, Jeff, I got a question for you that I don't quite understand. I know that uh, I'm told the teams usually have, like on offense, they have scripted plays at the beginning. I don't know how many they usually have. It's about 15. But I'm wondering how... I'm wondering how that works because uh, you never know what the results are going to be. I mean, you may have a a run scripted. I mean, can you just describe how that works? Because sometimes you might have a a third down and 25. I mean, obviously you don't script that probably at the beginning. So how how do they script those opening plays? They script them. No matter what the situation is, they're running those plays. Third and 13, they're running. If it was a pass play that they had scripted, they're running them. Paul, I mean, it's just – it's it's I never got that, but there's so many teams that do it. I think the Giants, they script 10 plays. I think that's the number. Are they down to 10 now? I think here? they're down to 10. I didn't realize that. Um, don't, I'm not confirming that, but I, I had heard that it's 10. In fact, I heard Shermer say that one time. It was a 10 play. Okay. Um, but that's it's just something. I remember when I was with the Seahawks, Holmgren was a big proponent of that. I think he was one of the first guys that started doing that, was mm-hmm. scripting these plays. But um, – and that's just all because of what the defense does on their on their first play. So it's all about game planning, but they stick with it. Doesn't matter. They run it. That the, the script says pass on first down. They got the pass play, and the players study those first ten or fifteen plays. So they're doing mistakes, you know. And really, a ten or fifteen play should get you down to where you should be scoring points. 
I think the other thing to keep in mind is that when coaches get together on Monday night and start formulating a game plan for the following Sunday, um, they're using all of the data and all of the information that they have at their disposal, and they're coming up with a conviction that, okay, these first scripted plays are not only going to work, but they're also going to set up things we want to do later in the game. That's correct. That is a great point. Um, and believe it or not, it's such a chess game, and, and guys will – they do that. They read. They look at all this information, and there's more information today than there's ever been. Right. Because now that A word comes in, that whole analytics uh, part of it that we're not going to get into. One could argue there's too much information but available. But years and years and years ago, <laughs> and I can talk about this because I had been around the game for as long as I did, the game has changed so much where back to the days when they had the film, the guys were breaking down film, and now you know there was computers that they would – these assistants would come in there on Mondays and they would just be pumping in, pumping in information and pumping information. And basically what it was spitting out was not analytics. It was spitting out tendencies. They have a tendency on first down and long that their defense is going to run this. Their offense, when they're first down and less than five, they go from this formation. It's a type of analytics, but it was just basically tendencies more than anything. Ten- now tendencies and trends and trends. Analytics right. are basically black and white computer numbers, and they're they're in far, as far as I'm concerned, they're much too specific because they take out intangibles, they take out gut feel, sure, and and sometimes, quite frankly, they take out pure logic, and they just <laughs> wipe it out and put it to the sometimes. side. Sometimes I see it all the time when I'm we're sitting there, and, nice. and, and the common fan does the same I'm thing. You're sitting there nice, going, <laughs> "Why are they doing this?" Well. You'd like to find that guy that's on the sideline that has a big A on his chest that says, I'm the analytics guy, and that's why I want you to do this. <sighs> but this common sense part of it drives you and I crazy because we, we've been around the game long enough to know that why it's like chasing the two points. You know, Yeah, the chart says it, but you know what? The tempo of the game, and do you really want to do it that early? And the Giants have been forced with that a few times this year. And you hear Bob Papa, he hates it. He absolutely cannot stand chasing points early. It is wintertime. I think the chart would be good for fireplace material myself. <laughs> but that's just me. That's thank right. you so much for the call, yeah, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it very much. But those 15 plays, I remember Holmgren, they, they would have them on Saturday morning. Um, they would run their first 15s. Oh, excuse me, I take that back. I, 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 I take that. They would not run. They would, they would get their final 15 plays ready on Saturday. So Saturday night at the game, they would hand out to the players the first 15 so right. the guys could go to bed at night and study those first 15 plays. That's how it works. We have a, a question on Twitter from Christopher Nails. Wants to know, do you think Saquon Barkley is losing confidence in his offensive line? Um, you know, I think when you talk about the running game, there is so many things intertwined. It's, it's the play call, it's the adjustments at the line, then it's the line making the correct blocks, then it's the running back making sure he reads it correctly, then it's the running back also having confidence not only in the block being thrown correctly, but then him being able to say, hey, I can make that cut, I can make that play, and I can take off. Look, I think there's a lot of things right now going wrong with the Giants running game, and I'm not willing to just put it on one individual subject. No, it's it's collectively. It really is. And collectively is collectively. Collectively, it's everyone. It's a it's, little of everything. It's okay, coaches, players, and that's what it goes down to. But bottom line, and I've always been this way, coaches coach, players play, right? Coaches put you in situations where you should be able to execute. If you cannot execute, then the play is going to go bad, which it, you've seen it happen. But really, it comes down to 
the players being able to execute the play and being better than your opponent across from you. That's what it is on every play. And there's usually about 70 of them a game. So you want to try to win as many of those matchups as you can. If you don't, you're going to be like Saquon lately and have 13 rushes for minus one yard. We have another very interesting one here from Matthew Christopher, and this is a real good GM's question, so I need you to play front office man for me, Jeff. Sure. Let me he put wants my to on. know if Dave Gettleman uh, gives Marcus Golden a big, fat contract with a nice guarantee. He is the leading pass rusher on the team. And then they franchise tag Leonard Williams, who they got in the trade from the Jets earlier this season. What will the fan base say? Well, I'm not going to ask you about the fan base because that's irrelevant. Uh, Dave Gettleman will do what he believes is, is right, and he will not listen to outside noise. But could you understand if he did something like that to retain both of these players who, as it stands now, are both going to be unrestricted free agents? Well, I think if you look at an edge rusher, okay, like Marcus Golden, and see what they're getting paid and see where he ends up, he came here because he wanted to show everybody that he could do it, right? I mean, mm -hmm. he had a lot of snacks in 2016. I believe it was 12, right? 12 and a half. 12 and a half. So... If he can get double-digit sacks this year, I think the guy's earned himself the right to have a good contract. Now, is it 460 with 25? I I don't know. I mean, 460, that's 15, what, 15, 15, 30. That's more than – so, listen, Williams is making, what, 17 a year? Honestly, Somewhere around in there. I'm not even in that frame of mind to yeah. talk finances yet. The question for me is a football question first. Do you believe that there's a role for this guy with his given production and what they need? That's the first question you answer. The second question then becomes, financially, how do you fit him in? I would say from a football perspective, I'd like to have both of these guys back. Yeah. Now, from a business angle, I don't know what kind of numbers we're talking about to make it happen, but I do know the Giants will have what is considered a healthy amount of cap room next year. Okay, well, here's the other thing. You're going to get, if they're going to go out and draft a young pass rusher, okay, that's going to help their cap position when it comes from free agency, right? So, I mean, if, right. they, if they could get a guy like the, the kid from Ohio State, that's not going to cost them a lot of money on the cap. And they're getting a really good football player, so they could afford to spend maybe just a little bit more on a guy like Marcus Golden if they feel like. I, I believe, and I think that Dave Gettleman does too, you earn it, right? You want to show me that you could do it? Mm -hmm. You show me that you can do it. I really would love to see him get the double-digit numbers because I think once you get double-digit sack numbers, it's a little bit more identified now. Okay, I, now we're kind of getting serious now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, he's got seven and a half right now. So I actually had one taken away in Chicago that's on right. a penalty. I know. Which was a... That was on Janoris Jenkins' penalty. On a third a, down, by the a way. A mystery and penalty. And then it was a huge play. Huge so, play, but a mystery penalty. I, I didn't see the hold on Jenkins, by the way. And that ripped off one of Golden's And if sacks. you go back and look at the way Marcus Golden has been playing consistently High every energy. single game, he comes up with a half a sack or, or more a game. So that tells you he's going to get his double digits, right? And in my mind, I go back, if I'm him or his agent, I go to Gettleman and say, listen, you brought me in here on this contract. And I've shown you that I could do it. Now it's time to pay the fiddler. Well, you know, for me, as I said earlier, I think he's 1A. If you're going to retain him and give him a 1A pass rusher's contract, I think that's great because he's proven that he deserves that type of deal. That's right. And if you give him that type of deal, you're not overpaying for him. And I think that you're not hurting yourself. Now, here's the problem. If you're paying him as like a 15-16 sack guy 
a first-team Pro Bowl type of player, and he's only a 1A, you're overpaying him. That's correct. And now you put yourself into a salary cap hole. Well, I think that he's going to have to maybe figure out the type of player that he is and and the money he's going to command. Am I a 1A or am I a 1? I mean, that's a tough question for individuals. I'm a 1. Well, Well, we think you're a 1A. The problem is, what if there's somebody else out there now who is willing to pay him as a 1? That's right. And now you got yourself an issue because if you get into a bidding war and and you wind up overpaying for a guy... You, you put yourself in trouble. Look, I'm not I'm not trying to disparage anybody. Olivier Vernon, to me, was a Robin. Remember, when he played with JPP, he was 1A to JPP's 1. And the Giants made the playoffs. And those guys performed as a good duo. The problem then was, after they got rid of JPP and Vernon had to be Batman, he couldn't. He, he yeah. was only Robin. That's right. And yeah. without Batman, it wasn't happening. Yeah. Well, there definitely has to be a Batman in the room next year, and it, whether it's through the draft or a big-time free agent, because right. you really need it. 201-939-4513 is our number. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 90464 for more details. And again, we also remind you, and I want to add this one more time uh, before we uh, wrap up the last 10 minutes of the show, The Giants' coat drive is coming up on Sunday, 1 o'clock kickoff against the Packers. Rain and sleet, and it's going to be a nasty, nasty day. There are a lot of people in the New York area, unfortunately, don't have winter coats and hoodies and things to keep them warm. It's a nasty situation, so if you can bring your gently worn or unused coats and hoodies to the game and donate them to the Giants' coat drive, they've been doing it now for a couple of decades, uh, we would certainly appreciate it, and so will those folks who are less fortunate than you. So thanks very much in advance for anybody who was able to give. Uh, we go back to the phone lines. Line two, Mike from the Bronx. You're next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello. Hello. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, God bless you and your family. You too now. <laughs> okay. Um, my thing is the defense. The 3-4 defense is not the Giants football. I think for two years that they've been running the 3-4 defense, it was horrible. Missed tackles. They want to show the um, show the tackle that that is out. Of, there's no more Ronnie Lott. There's no more Atwater that could do that. Hit you with a shoulder and you fall in. But my other thing is, the coach has no fire. The team is is following their coach, and if the coach don't have no fire, the team is gonna lack of that fire, and they're gonna play um, not to their potential. And that's why I think they losing and the. The morale is so down that they need fire in that team or something. Because Pat Shermer, he always comes up with the same excuse and saying, oh, we're getting to it, we're getting close. You're not getting close. It's the same thing. Mike, let me ask you to hold on just a second. I don't want you to go anywhere. Just stay with me because I want to ask Jeff something about what you just said, and then I'd like you to finish your point or ask another question. Mm -hmm. Jeff, you played in the game a long time. You'd been on a number of teams that did not make the playoffs, a number of teams that were also rants. More than I did. More, More bad teams than good teams. Yes, but you also know the difference between a team that uh, has basically lost its heart, mails it in, and the tape doesn't lie. When you watch the tape, guys who have played this game before can tell you if a team has given up, yeah. quit, mm-hmm. mailed it in. I don't see that on this Giants team, and I don't think you do either. No, I'll tell you the last time I saw it was three years ago when McAdoo was here. 
that's that's basically one of the reasons why, in my opinion, they that they they had to let him go. The team lost faith in their head coach, and you could see it on the field. I will never, for the life of me, ever ever know why guys would ever tank it. Because if you're tanking on this team, don't you think that another team's going to see you're tanking? Why would I sign you? You know what I mean? You it's lower like your just, own value. You do. You lower your own value. So it's the stupid things I've ever heard. But but this team, you know, I I don't want you to get all caught up in the way that Pat Shermer acts around you and the media. There's a way that he, and Paul sees it. He's on the field and practice and the things like that. The guy is, is intense. He really is. But I do feel like this team does compete. They do out. They don't give up. Um, and they try to win football games. They're not winning football games because they're basically, they're shooting themselves in the foot all the time. They're making errors everywhere. Okay, and that's the problem. But it's not out of lack of effort because of their coaches and have a lot of fire. I don't. I don't believe that. Um, my my thing is, um, I see the game. The defense, the three four. Let's let's be real, guys. They can't hold water at all. Jer- Jenkins, if you've seen the past couple of games, he whiffed on a lot of tackles that could have saved some games. The Arizona game, the the Eagle game, when the tight end went. Um, deep post in the middle, and he was literally right there. He could have stopped him, but he refused to hit him. Like I don't know what's going on with with um, Jenkins and these cornerbacks that they look lost out there. They look confused and they look boggled, like they don't know what they're doing. Well, here's what I will say. I actually believe that outside of two games, and there was the one game in Tampa when Jenkins got beat for three touchdown passes, and then you mentioned the other game, I believe it was against the Cardinals, and you're correct, where he had two suspect tackles that did not look very good. Mm-hmm. Outside of those two games, if you study the tape, you know what Jenkins has played well? He really has. Yeah, and so I understand actions. that there were isolated cases where maybe he did not play up to par and wasn't as good as he needs to be. But when your team is 2-9, and nine, um, there's a lot of guys who have made a lot more mistakes than he has. No, so, you, you, you're correct. You're 100% right. But I don't know. The 3-4 is not a fit for the, um, the New York Giants. They got to go back to the 4-3. They got two good rushes. They got two um, middles that they could, you know, clog up the run. Well, that that point, Mike, I would like to say I agree with you about. I'm not going to dispute that one. I think that Williams, Hill, Tomlinson, and Lawrence would be a very formidable front four, especially Mm -hmm. against the run. I think Mm -hmm. they can get enough of a pass rush to have some effect on what's going on. Now, you're not going to have double-digit sacks from any of those guys, but if you line up that front four and then Marcus Golden on the edge as, Mm -hmm. as the five, who you know would then be coming forward out of a stand-up position. Personally speaking, I could see value in that. What do you do with Zimenez and Carter? Well, you you go if you if you go I'll to the four, well if I'll you go to the four three, that means then I would play uh, Ogletree in the middle with Golden, mm-hmm. and I would have Carter on the outside. Mm-hmm. And Zimenez to me would be more of a situational player. Okay. I would not give him regular snaps. Yeah. Again, he's a rookie. And unfortunately, he has been more green this year than the Giants had hoped. They're, the Giants were in a position where if they were going to compete this season, they needed every guy from that rookie class to immediately mature and give them significant production right away as they did in 2007 when yeah. you were on the team. Yeah. That didn't happen this year. It turned out that there were a few of these guys 
who were able to give them reasonably productive snaps. And then guys like DeAndre Baker, who's learning on the fly and making a lot of mistakes. He'll tell you that. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Zimenez, another guy who he's green. And, and what you hope now is that the realistic goal is that within year two and year three, they become important contributors to your team. But right now, as rookies, they're wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of them. I have one more thing to say, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Um, Pat Shermer, he said in one of his interviews that he he don't have talent, that he can't win. And anything like that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! When did he say? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I, I got to ask you something. If you if you're gonna make an accusation like that or a statement and suggesting that it's a fact, you got to give me a footnote. Where'd that come from? I don't ever remember hearing Pat Shermer say he does not have the talent to win. I do remember him saying that he's got more rookie snaps on this team than any other team in the NFL. And it is true that rookies are rookies and you're going to have to live with mistakes. That much no. is true. But but I think the statement that you just made is not accurate. Yeah, I don't think he's ever said that. Yeah, I, re- I read it on the papers. I don't know. Well, you know, you that... Know, <laughs> the articles, you yeah. know, because I read the papers every day. I know, and that's that's not necessarily the best place to get the facts either. Okay. Well, yeah, have a blessed one. Merry yes, sir. Christmas. And yeah, thank you. You families. too. Thank you. Thanks for your comments. You too. Appreciate it. Please call again. They, and you know what? I'm sorry, Paul. Go ahead. You're right. I mean, look at the snaps that these rookies are taking. I think it's like 500 more snaps than the next team's rookies. I mean, it's look, a lot. Look, um, I tried to tell people this right after the draft. The Giants were in a position where, A, they needed immediate production and maturity out of the rookie class, which we've now discovered they did not get. You got it in 2007. It was a rarity. Lightning caught. Uh, lightning hit a bottle we there. We had 10 rookies that year. And the entire rookie class All contributed. contributed to a Super Bowl Somehow, championship. Somehow, yeah. Thank goodness for you. Yeah, damn right. I mean, you had, you had to love those guys. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, I told every one of them that they needed to play really good in that in that in the uh, Super Bowl to win that game for me because they were rookies. That was their first year. That was in my 20th season. I mean, even think about this. Steve Smith, who was hurt most of the year, came up with a big catch on the game-winning drive in the yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, if that was the only play he was going to make that year, that contribution by that rookie was an important factor in you getting your ring. Look at Ahmad Bradshaw. I mean, look at these guys. Corey Webster. I mean, we're talking about guys that stood up that week, that game or that season. Well, Corey and they, was already around a little while. He was our, but he was, you're right. No, he was, what? He was already around a while. He had, he had been actually benched earlier in the year. Oh, that's right. Back. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. But, but my point is, you knew that the Giants rookie class was going to have to advance quicker for them to be competitive. It did not happen as, yeah. as quickly you wanted. As you really won. wanted your one of your first rounders to really, and that's and that's DeAndre Baker. You wanted him to play better than he did, right? I mean, yeah, Lawrence has pretty much. Met, I think he's pretty much met the rookie bar. I think he's he's been good. And look, and Joe's been good. So two out of your three, two out of your three, Baker's had a learning curve. Have played pretty decently, and then there's there's a drop off. Second, third round, those guys, you know, they haven't played all what you wanted to play. It's a shame Connolly blew out his it knee. It really is because he, he was, was coming on. He was, and the thing about Zimenez, you know, he's from Old Dominion. He's he's green, like you said. He's a guy that's gonna it's gonna take a while for him to learn this game and the way to play it. And specifically, he's gonna have to get more power. 
because I think he's got the other elements. Okay, but, but you know what? At least power. he's got some experience playing in the NFL now, so he'll know how to go get that power in the offseason and yeah. put on a little bulk and how to where he's going to have to be able to use it. All right. Now, the other thing that I tried to tell people right after the draft is that because so many of these rookies are going to see so many snaps, okay, you're going to have to build in the fact that they're going to make their share of mistakes. The big question and the variable is, how often will those mistakes prove fatal? Because you can bust the coverage as a rookie, and if the quarterback doesn't hit that pass or doesn't have time to hit that pass, you got lucky. the mistake didn't happen. Yeah, you got right? lucky. Yeah, exactly. And, and people think, I should say, people think the mistake didn't happen, but it does. Yeah. And, and that's the problem. The Giants have had so many of these young kids who have played the most rookie snaps of anybody in the league. And more often than not, those mistakes have been identified and taken advantage of by the opposition. The Giants have paid for most of their rookie mistakes that they've put on the field. And you know what? That just happens. That's why yeah. the other team gets paid. And listen, when you look at paid for the rookie mistakes, let's, let's not be naive and say that Daniel Jones' fumbling problem hasn't cost this team a lot of games. It has. Well, so, ba I mean, Baker's, there's, Baker's giving up big plays. Ballantyne gave up the touchdown yeah. pass last week in Chicago. Those things happen. And unfortunately, what's, what's happening with the mistakes and the maturity of these young players is that it's also at the expense of losing football games, which is, you know, sometimes costs people jobs, sometimes costs people, you know, the team guys get cut, things like that. So it's a tough line to draw on this it really is it's a difference between winning and losing is not that much in the national football league but it's you know if you have to say if i had to say one thing about this team this year it's turnovers it's turnovers certainly has been painful that and if you go and look at the top of the league and the bottom of the league the first five or probably eight teams they're all going to the playoffs i think we have about a minute left before we go so let me just quickly ask you this of all the rookies that you played with over your very lengthy NFL career, oh boy, which guy was the most pro-ready that as a rookie, he came in and you said, wow, I can't believe how good this guy is, how polished this guy is. Boy, he doesn't make any mistakes. Have you ever seen one? I'm trying to. It's a, that's the a, truth this is, is a tough they one. really don't exist. They don't. I think that, you know, one player, and you're going to know who it is, and he was with the Cardinals years ago. I remember Simeon Rice came in, and this guy just was, I mean, he was. Vicious pass rusher. Very, very good right away. And he was like, okay, you're you're a little bit better than I think people think you're young. But boy, did he give up against the run. He never played the run. He sold out on the pass rush but every he, single yeah. time. Um, but, I mean, if I had a little bit more time, I could go through my career. The point and find is, it's hard. People. You can't. There were well, very few guys. Yeah. There, there, it, well, listen, th there's very few guys. I mean, there's a lot of players in the NFL every single year. You could pick one or two on some teams that you just come out like, where did this guy come from? Um, but it's very rare. It really is. Yeah. I mean, think about think about some of the rookies that make the Pro Bowl the first year. You know? I know. Not very many. It, it's uh, hard Quint, to do. Uh, the, the lineman for the Colts from, from uh, Notre Nelson. Dame. Okay, he's one guy that like yeah, just but saw. you know what? Even he made mistakes. Even last year, Saquon yeah. Barkley, yeah. he made mistakes. Yeah, it's tough. It happens. It's tough, folks. Remember, if you subscribe to the Giants Audio Podcast, please note that beginning December first, Big Blue Kickoff Live will have its own dedicated podcast. You can begin subscribing now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. That's December 1st. BBKL will no longer be available on the Giants audio podcast. You've got to subscribe to the BBKL live podcast. I know it's confusing, especially for old guys like us, Jeff. You can still watch or listen <laughs> to the show on Giants.com and the Giants app. You know what I call podcasts? No. It's really radio on demand. Yeah. That's what it really is. Okay, sure. Why did we have to create a fancy name for it? Well, it's just radio on demand. That's all it is. You should coin that. Podcast. Podcast. Sounds like a vegetable. Podcast. Sounds like a coffee. Something like a coffee. You put a podcast in your coffee. Anyway, right? folks, jot the number down. <laughs> 201-939-4513. Big Blue Kickoff you want Live. some vanilla podcast? <laughs> it's on Giants.com Live. 1.30 to 2.30. Weekdays here on Giants.com or on yeah, you guessed it, the app and the podcast. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Paul Dottino. We'll see you Have next time. Have a good time. one, everyone.